Amen, amen. Welcome wherever you are tuning in from, whatever Rockbridge campus, online. We are so thankful that you are here this evening. My name is Zach. I'm in the associate campus pastor at our Calhoun campus. So honored to be here with you as we are in the middle of our summer series called Wow, where we are taking uh, these phrases, these topics, these big truths that Jesus talks about that just really make us pause and go, wow, and kind of take a deep breath and maybe sometimes challenge and even change our perspective. We're kind of sitting in on these phrases, on these moments in Scripture and unpacking them together. And we're glad that you are here this evening because the phrase, kind of the topic we're going to talk about tonight is perspective. And here's what I've been thinking about perspective. Go here with me for a moment. Our perspective can have power over us. I want to tell you a story. I was in Haiti in around 2012 on a mission trip. And uh, we were about two hours away from Port-au-Prince where the airport was. And we took a 12-hour trip up into the mountains to visit a church and a village that the missionaries and the church that we partnered with cared for and served within their network. And so we took this trip up there, you know, never been there before, just unknown culture, territory. So we get up to the top of this mountain, and it's already like 11 p.m. at night. And so we kind of meet everyone. We get together. They're kind of in the middle of having church at 11 p.m. at night. That by itself was just incredible. And so we, we get in on that by 1 or 2 o'clock. We settle down. And we go to bed. And so uh, it's happening. We're sleeping. And me and the guys are kind of sleeping in this kind of shack. It's like four walls with cane poles over the top with like a metal roof. And it flowed with the breeze. And, and so we are getting settled in. It had been 12 hours of a trip. And all of a sudden, I get woken up by these just beats on the door, like boom, boom, boom. And this noise that went, Ooh! and I'm just like, froze. And I picture these moments, and some of you do too, where you're like imagining this and like what you'll do and the things you'll grab and the way that you'll defend. I didn't do that. I froze. Did it again. Boom, boom, boom. And I heard this noise, this like growl. And I was like, what is that? I'm froze. Bug eyed. And I'm looking around. There was a good old boy with us that had went, good old boy from the country that had grown up on a farm. He woke up in the middle of this. And he looked at me and he makes eye contact with me and he can tell that I'm terrified. And I'm going through this like scenarios in my head like I'm done. I'm getting kidnapped. Whatever, whoever that is beating on the door is taking me. And where is Liam Neeson when I need him? <laughs> and this good old boy wakes up and he looks at me and he smiles and kind of like says it in a very demeaning way. Zach, go back to bed. That's chickens. <laughs> and just lays back down. And it was a chicken on the top of the shack flapping its wings against the roof and like crowing in the middle of the night. What chickens do that? And it sounded like a person screaming terrified. And I'm sitting there and my perspective like it's over. My whole life flashes before my eyes. And I'm terrified. I'm scared. And I'm just like in my sleeping bag. And he's over there, good old boy, just sleeping, resting. He says the phrase and he instantly goes back to sleep at peace, at rest. Perspective can have power, right? Your thoughts can have power. Parents, you know this. When your kids see their friends with the new shoes, the new hat, the new shirt, the new thing, their perspective of what they need changes, and it's powerful. Those questions 
can come in. Spouses, you know what it's like when, when perspective can change? Man, it can impact us. The way we view something, the way we view a scenario, anger can change this. Anger can have power. Or impatience, anxiousness, worry, doubt, frustration, power. Joy can have power. Having an incredible adrenaline-rushed experience can impact you. We see this, I think, all over our lives in our relationships, and especially when it comes to church, when it comes to Jesus, and when it comes to faith. Your experiences in the church have created a, a perspective, good or bad. And that perspective has created beliefs and thoughts and assumptions and opinions that have power. Many of us walked in this room, and, and maybe our experiences and our perspective are more on the negative end because of what we have experienced. Maybe from a family member or a friend that went to church, maybe a church and walking in this room. And it's like that maybe there are perspectives a little bit more towards doubt, a little bit more towards skepticism, a little bit more towards I'm kind of here, but I'm really holding my cards close to my chest because the experience created perspective. And that's got power over us. So we all, as we parent, as we work, as we have to let people go, in big transitions in life, our perspective changes. Man, and sometimes it's tough to deal with that, especially when it comes to faith and especially when it comes to church. So here's the question for us tonight. What type of perspective does Jesus want us to have of him? Because whatever perspective you have tonight of faith is rooted in beliefs about him that have created a perspective. Whatever your perspective is, in whatever situation you're in, that has power over the way that you view Jesus. And we've sung about him. You've heard someone welcome you and talk about him. And we just want to ask this question tonight. What if we were to pause? This is such a good thing for us to do and just ask, how does Jesus want us to view him, to think about him? What kind of perspective? do you think he wants us to have? And as we do this, we're going to use a chapter in the Bible that will springboard us to some other verses and to some other stories, but we're going to start in Matthew 11 because in Matthew 11, Jesus talks about perspective. And so let's jump in with him as we jump into this story in the middle of Matthew's gospel. And we'll, we'll jump in as, as Matthew describes Jesus and what's happening around him. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in their town. So Jesus is on the move. And Jesus is preaching and teaching. In other words, he's challenging people's perspectives of God, how God works, how God works in our lives, how God wants us to live. And it was so interesting because the religious leaders at the time, which you may have heard called Pharisees and Sadducees, they had a perspective of how they thought God worked and how we should live. And, and, and it was intense and it involved all of life. And Jesus was like contradicting them in a sense and just teaching and preaching in a total different way than the religious leaders at that time. So for them and some of them, that they had like extra biblical laws and they took like these commands of God, like live for God. Like how can we make this specific, as specific as possible? So you should wash your hands a certain way. 
And you should walk into the room and greet the host that you're walking into the room a specific way. And they, and they created all these kind of laws, like extra laws, and it, and it was just intense. And you had these people like you and me who were just kind of struggling to hang on, just felt tired, like, I don't know if we're good enough for this. I don't know if we can keep up with this. This is just really intense. And then you have Jesus coming on the scene. It's like, hey, anybody feel broken? Anybody just feel like they just don't have it in them today? You can, you can come with me. He was walking up to people like Matthew, who was a tax collector, who actually wrote this gospel, who made a living of kind of taking advantage of people through higher taxes than he needed to charge them. It's like, hey, why don't you come and follow me? He walked up to some fishermen like James and John and was like, hey, you're not like religious leaders or nothing. You don't necessarily have your life all together. You kind of have a reputation for being kind of rowdy, kind of being loud, kind of being all over the place. Why don't you come and be, become my disciple? And it was just, there was this clash going on and it was just challenging the religious leaders and it was challenging everyone that was following Jesus. And this tension caused by him kind of arose. And we can describe the tension like this. People who should understand him are not understanding him. The, re the leaders, the religious people, the people that kind of were the more popular and had the most power in the culture and society, like these people who were like used to teaching and used to everybody else listening to them, like they weren't getting Jesus. There was this clash. And then you have people you would not expect, like Matthew, like the people with rough reputations. But when they were around Jesus, man, they were just willing to listen to him. They were willing to kind of take his words seriously. They were understanding him. And they are understanding him. And you have this clash of perspectives right here that Jesus is causing. And, and as we continue in Matthew 11, he kind of says this phrase in the middle of it. He says, let anyone who has ears Listen. In other words, there's some of you that are getting this and, you're, and, and it's making sense. And then there's some of you who aren't. And there's this difference and there's this clash going on. So those of you who can hear and like you're getting what I'm saying, like listen. This phrase that just describes this tension we're talking about. And we can immediately just in this context of Matthew 11, we can just stop and say this together. When your perspective of Jesus is off, you can miss Jesus. And you've got the people in the town who you would expect. They got the right reputation. They talk the right way. They dress the right way. Hey, they're the ones who are supposed to be under. They're the teachers. They're the leaders. They're the ones in control. And they're not getting it. Maybe their perspective was a little off. I relate to this. I feel like we all can relate to this when there's moments where we get impatient and all of a sudden we say something or do something. And you've, maybe you have been in church for long enough. You said, I think I just lost my witness. These are these moments. In those moments, what we're feeling is this reality. Man, that sometimes our, our perspective of Jesus can get a little off. And we can feel like we miss him. And so it's in this tension, it's in this clash of perspectives and ideologies and viewpoints that we kind of get to the scripture we're going to look at tonight. And it's within this context and within this tension that Jesus addresses it, helps us understand it, and gives us a new perspective. 
especially for those of us who are maybe worn out, tired. We're trying. We're trying to get it. We're like, God, we're trying. We're trying to pray enough. We're trying to read enough. Lord, we're trying to do enough. And, and, And if that's you tonight, I just believe that Jesus has a word for us, a new perspective for us. So we're going to pick up in uh, Matthew 11, verse 25, in this same conversation. And it's like Jesus, in, in the middle of everyone wrestling with this, Jesus says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father. He just starts praising God in front of everybody. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Because you have hidden these things, his teachings, understanding who he is, understanding how he works from the wise and intelligent, and you've revealed them to infants. And he goes back to some people are getting it, some people aren't, some people have the right perspective, some people don't, and it's kind of like wise and intelligent people that you assume would, aren't, and then there's these infants, there's these people like you and me that maybe didn't grow up and get a master's in theology, didn't get a Bible, didn't go to Bible school, and it's like they didn't really know enough or don't feel like they know enough, and they're the ones who are willing to listen and receive and understand what Jesus is saying. And in the middle of that, Jesus is like, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from those who think they can try to think them themselves to God or, or, or earn through just figuring God out. He's like, man, what if that perspective, what if trying to think and understand your way into God and his plans, what if that's the wrong perspective that can be causing us to miss God? He says, yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. In other words, in that tension and in that clashing, Jesus is working in a different way. And if we're not careful and we don't allow him to kind of challenge our perspective, we may miss it. We may miss it. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. And that's such a powerful statement because Jesus is saying, all the things that God can do, I can do. All the power and authority that God has, I have. And you immediately have to go, wait, this is a person. And you can imagine everyone being in their, in their shoes watching this going, you're a person and you're saying that all the authority that God has is yours. What are you trying to say? Are you God? That's why we call him the son of God. And that's why he had been teaching about and showing through miraculous signs and wonders. And people are like, who is this man? And he's like, all the things that God has, he's given to me. No one knows the Son except the Father. This unique relationship, this God the Son, God the Father, this amazing mystery of the Trinity, we're seeing it right here. And no one knows the Father except the Son. Jesus is unique. He's different. And He knows God's will. He sees God's will. He's a part of that in a way that's bigger than just a good teacher. It's bigger than just being a good prophet. He's one with God. One with God. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal Him. Jesus is choosing to work in a way and reveal Himself in a way with a new perspective. And we hear this teaching in the middle of people like getting it and not getting it. And Jesus is trying to show us, us, I'm working in a new way that requires a new perspective. And if you're willing to listen like these people were, even though you wouldn't have expected them to be the ones that responded to Jesus. I love walking into church and be like, I never would have expected them to be here. Praise God. 
Because there's people that walk in this church and they see me come on this stage that know me. I grew up in Dalton, Georgia, and they know my story. And they go, never in a million years with that dude. I believed in Jesus. But Jesus' plans were bigger than my plans. Jesus' plans may be bigger than your plans or your perspective right now. And this clashes directly against the heart of the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the wise and the intelligent, you and me. Because the heart of legalism is that God's willingness to bless me, use me and work in my life is based on my ability to please Him and do enough for Him. And we can take this phrase and we can put it in the context of Jesus' time. And he's saying, those of you who are wise and intelligent, who think you can like work your way to receiving who I am, who think you can like sink your way to it, who think on your own that you can do enough to receive my teachings and my favor and my blessing, this perspective, which we could call legalism at the heart of it, it's this belief that you and I have the ability to do enough to receive God's blessings. And Jesus is like, there's some flaws in this perspective. And I have so many conversations on a weekly basis. Rock bridgers, people that I know in my communities, and I hear this. If I could just pray enough. I just hope that God will. If I show up enough, I just hope that... If I just serve enough, maybe God will. And, and, and when you listen to that, you can kind of hear the, like the, the belief or the perspective under the statement. And I hear that and I'm just going, no. No, that's the heart of legalism. That's this mindset and this perspective that, man, you can work your way. You can earn your way into God's blessings. And I'm sitting here going, looking at Matthew 11 and Jesus and his words. And I'm like, Jesus is saying, I'm revealing myself and my father in heaven revealing himself in a different way, in a new way. But it takes a new perspective. And it's recognizing this perspective that can creep in so easily that can sneak in so easily and distract us and cause us to miss Jesus. And if you relate to that, I relate to this. I, I get caught up in this all the time. Still, after a decade of following Jesus. And I'm like, man, if that's me, I bet that's some people here. And if you're here tonight like me and you just sometimes you just get worn out because you're just trying and trying and sometimes you just get so bogged down and weighed down because you just don't feel good enough, that's a good place to be. And I think Jesus has something he wants to say to us for those of you who are in that place. Come to me. Religious leader said, listen to me. Jesus says, come to me. A personal invitation. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take up my yoke. New perspective. And learn from me. Because I am lowly and humble in heart. What a description of the Savior of the world. 
Think about your perspective. Think about like what you think about God. Thank you. Think about what you believe about God. And, and do the words lowly and humble and heart come up a lot? As I was looking at this scripture, I just couldn't help but worship this Jesus who challenges my perspective because I'm sitting here and I'm going, look at the way Jesus treated people, talked, spoke, the way he wants us to see him. Especially when we're tired. Especially when we don't feel good enough. Especially when we don't feel like enough. He's lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my perspective, we're going to unpack that, is easy. And my burden is light. My burden is light. So if you don't know what a yoke is, uh, this is a yoke. It's this piece of equipment that livestock would bear, you know, on their neck, on their shoulder, and there's usually a till attached to it. And this is how the old timers would till up and work the ground. And so you required some oxen to do the work. And what's beautiful about this picture is Jesus, the yoke that the religious leaders created, this perspective, hey, do this, like a yoke was weighing people down. So imagine the religious leaders like up in the cart, like whipping the animals going like, go forward, go forward. That's what it's like when you're just like trying to tell people exactly what to do. Dress this way, talk this way. If you stop doing this, God will bless you. If you start doing this, God will bless you. If you just act enough, if you just do enough, if you just pray like we tell you to, doesn't that just feel like a yoke that just weighs you down? That feeling of not being able to just be good enough, isn't that like a yoke? And Jesus is like, Hey, take my yoke, except I'm not somebody who's in the back of the cart whipping you. I'm getting up here with you and saying, hey, I'm going to bear this with you, right beside you. I'm with you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's like, here we are, and Jesus is not over here going, hey, you should do that, you should do this. He's like, hey, I'm up here with you. You're not alone. I'm with you in this. A partnership. I'm together with you. It makes the whole come to me personal invitational, a whole lot more just good and sweet, doesn't it? Because he's not on the outside looking in. He's getting with you in the situation you're in, that your family's in, that you're going through as a parent, that you're going through as a boss, that you're going through as an employee, and he's saying, I'm with you. That thing you're bearing, I'm right beside you. Let's bear it together. That's my yoke. That's the type of Savior that I am. That's the type of God that I am. And when you feel worn out, when you feel tired, I'm right there beside you, walking with you, leading you. This new yoke is meant to give us a new perspective of Jesus. And I think it would help to compare the perspective that they were used to with the perspective that Jesus was saying. Remember, we've kind of said this, but I just think it's good to see it. The religious leaders and their, their leadership was intense, extra-biblical laws. Like, hey, in order to be blessed by God, you've got to do one through ten, and you got to do it right. And if you don't do it right, God's going to judge you, or we're going to judge you, and we're going to call you out in front of everybody. It was intense. Earn it slash works based. I'll, I'll think my way to it. I'll figure it out. I will do enough. I'll pray enough. I'll read enough. And then maybe if I just do the right, it sounds like an like old country Christian song where you're just trying hard enough and you just hope you get there. There's not a whole lot of assurance in those old Christian songs, country songs. Some of them. 
Some of them get it right. But I hear some of them and I'm like, are you not sure? You sound like you're hoping in something that you don't really know if you're going to get there or not. Like it's all dependent on you and your ability to earn your way to God's blessing and work your way there which naturally creates a hierarchy because you get a group of people. Hey, we're this good. We're better than these people because we don't talk like them, look like them, do the things that they do on Friday night. Therefore, we like our shoulders puff up a little bit and we're like, hey, I feel a little bit better about myself because I'm not like in comparison gets in. That's the type of leadership they were used to. And then Jesus comes on the scene. In a totally upside down way, says, hey, I'm a gracious God. And you can't earn it and you can't work hard enough for it. But I'm willing to give it to you if you're willing to receive it. Goes right at my pride. Because I want to be like strong enough, good enough, smart enough to figure it out. And he comes along with this with you leadership. I'm under the yoke. I'm in the middle of this situation in your marriage With y'all. I'm walking beside you as you're trying to overcome that temptation. I'm with you. If you're just trying to learn, you're trying to see Jesus working, but it's just really hard right now. God's working in ways I don't understand, Zach. It's just bigger than I understand. That's why Jesus kind of brought up, I praise you, God, Lord of heaven and earth, because you're revealing these things in unique, powerful, mysterious ways, and that just proves that you are God and we are not. And we can't figure this thing out. We just have to lean in and ask for grace and receive your teaching. It's a totally different perspective. It's a totally different posture. And this is all over the Bible. This kind of with you mentality is all over the Bible. Even at the start of Matthew 1 and Jesus' announcement and his birth. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with you. It's like very, the very characteristic of one of the titles that Jesus has, Emmanuel, is God is with you. Under the yoke, new perspective. He's not waiting for you to be good enough. He's here with you because you can't be. As a gracious guide, ready to give you what you're willing to receive from him. At the very end of Matthew, as Jesus has already died and went to the cross and rose again, and he has his followers, and he's given him like his final teaching, and this like this is the great commission. This is why we exist, because he gave this commandment here that launched the church. Jesus came near, nearness, and said to them, All authority, Matthew 11, Lord of heaven and earth, who's given all authority to me, has been given to me. That literally says the same thing. I wasn't prepared to point that out. And on earth, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded, new yoke, new perspective. That shift's got to happen. And remember, I am with you always. There it is. To the end of the age. And how is he with us now? He answers this promise for us. In one of his last moments when he's teaching his disciples, he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you. There's our phrase. Forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because... It doesn't see him or know him. There's our clash of perspectives. And and if we get it off, we miss it. 
But you do know Him because He remains with you and will be in you. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus' presence goes before us. Through His Spirit, the same Spirit that lived in Him is available to us and lives in us. And here's our wow. And hear this. Jesus isn't inviting you or us to do enough to earn His favor in your life right now. He's not. That's not His yoke. That's not His way. Jesus is inviting us to rest in His favor by believing Him through faith. It's not try harder. It's not do better. It's not be better. It's not live up to these expectations that maybe were put onto you by when you were growing up and you were young. Maybe this perspective was, perspective was put on you. Maybe at church. Maybe because of a family member. I don't know, but it's, this isn't it. This isn't the way I work. This is what I'm not trying, this is not what I'm teaching you. This. Rest is another word for let go and surrender. It's like when he comes, comes up under that yoke with him, you can let off a little bit and be like, oh, he's with me. In his favor, how? By believing him through faith. New perspective. New perspective. New way to parent. New way to be a boss. New way to deal with your teenager. Your youngin'. Your sister, your aunt, uncle. New perspective. We receive God's blessing through belief and faith, not through earning it. Not through earning it. So let's just, as we kind of begin to wrap up, let's just unpack it and apply it in a few different ways. More than anything tonight, please hear the invitation. Today, tonight, whenever you're watching this, online, at a campus, to rest in the grace, greatness, and faithfulness of Jesus. Just hear that invitation. I hope you've heard the type of Savior that He is. Lowly, humble of heart, patient, kind. He gets you. He knows you. And before you do anything, and, and, and I, this is challenging for some of, our, some of the way that we think, because we're like, what do I do? Like, what can I just do? And it's like, nothing. Nothing. It's listen. Those who have ears to hear. Surrender, rest, receive the grace, greatness, and faithfulness of Jesus. Lay down your old way of thinking and take up this new way. Where we receive something we can't earn. Grace. Where we know someone that, that is so much greater than higher than us. Greatness. Jesus conquered death, Savior of the world, is inviting you and me personally to come to Him, all who are weary, all who are worn out, to find everlasting rest through believing in Him who will be faithful with you under your yoke in your situation with what you're going through. Not a God who's going to stand on the outside looking in, a God who's going to get in the mess with you who's not waiting for you to overcome the temptation. 
He's not waiting for you to overcome the addiction. He's not waiting for you to overcome the anger. He's not waiting for you to overcome the worry. He's not waiting for you to overcome blank. He's just inviting you with it, saying, come to me, receive my grace, my greatness, and my faithfulness, and I'll be with you. Come to me. Just a a scripture, especially if that's like the first, if that's hitting you for the first time, I'm just thinking about Ephesians 2, for you are saved by grace through faith. Here it is. And this is not from yourselves. Not from us, not a result of working harder or earning it. It is God's gift. I think about Jesus. I'm revealing this how I want to. I'm working how I want to. And it's mysterious. Trust me with it. I'm gracious, I'm great, and I'm faithful. Not from works so that no one can boast. And if this is hitting you for the first time, God's not waiting for you to try harder. He's waiting for you to surrender and receive the gift of believing in Jesus. And for those of us who have been following, we can get caught up in this perspective battle. And even though we start with Jesus and grace, we may think right now that if we're we're just not overcoming the things we should overcome, we should be more holy. We should be be more like Jesus right now. We've just got to try harder. And that perspective can sneak back in. And Paul addresses that in Galatians. He says, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or your abilities or by believing what you heard? he says, are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing. So then does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you or work in your life through you doing the works of the law? Or, he's being rhetorical here, or is it by believing what you heard? Have you gotten caught up in this, Christ follower? Have you gotten caught up and if I just try harder, pray more, if I just read more, then God will really bless me. Jesus doesn't want you to get caught up in that. It was never about that. It's never about doing better. It's always about believing. And the question is, what helps us avoid this and stay in this perspective of belief and faith and trust in God's grace? I want to say it like this. Spirit-filled habits position us to receive God's favor by leading us to believe, surrender, and live by faith. Say it again. Spirit-filled habits position us to receive God's favor by leading us. We need to be led in this. Not follow our heart, not follow our emotions, not follow our perspective. We need something to lead us in this. We're going to call those spirit-filled habits because they position us in this posture of surrender, belief, surrender, and faith. And here are a few that we talk about all the time. And maybe some of you, are these things happening right now? Is there a habit of it? Not a once a week, not a once a month. Is there a habit? For me right now, I'm listening to an audio Bible and I love it right now. In my work schedule, I've got a new hour-long drive every single day. And I'm just listening to the Word. And I use that time to pray and listen to music All of these things help us keep this perspective of dependence. And prayer helps us remind ourselves, God, I don't have it. I I know I'm not good enough, but Jesus, I'm looking to you to give me rest. Lord, would you help me in this moment? Moment by moment prayer. 
music community. Man, I was in small group last night and the conversation that we had is we just shared about life and we just shared about what's going on and what we were learning through the Bible that we were reading. It was incredible. I left more fired up. than I, I love small group. I love talking to people in a circle about Jesus. Those are like some of my favorite times because they just fix my perspective. Sabbath. Look at Chick-fil-A. Six days a week. It makes no sense. And I would guess that they're financially doing a whole lot better than a lot of other chains that are seven days a week. Because Sabbath is about going, I've done all that I can do. I've worked as hard as I can work. God, I'm going to just rest and trust that your plans are just enough. I'm going to let go of trying to feel like I need to do one more thing and be enough and mentally unplug and rest because, God, I believe you are enough and you will do enough. Having this time in confession does the same thing. I think of Jesus' words in John 15. I'm the vine, you are the branches. There's another picture of connection, of togetherness, of being one together where he's saying like, you are like a branch and Jesus is like the vine that we're connected to. And we're meant to live our lives where we are together, where Jesus is with us in every moment. Just like a branch is connected to a tree. He says, the one who remains in me and I in him with you produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. And I want to end with this. For maybe some that just still feel like, I just don't know if it'll be enough. If Jesus' grace was powerful enough to save you, His grace is powerful enough to sustain you in whatever you're going through. If His grace was powerful enough to save you, His grace is powerful enough to work out whatever you're going through right now. Romans 8. What shall we say about such wonderful things? And and chapters 1 through 8 in Romans 8 are talking about everything we've been talking about. What Jesus has done and how He saved us through grace by faith. And He just shouts out this just rhetorical phrase. He says, if God is for us, if God is telling us, come to me, then who could ever be against us? Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? And, and, and Paul's saying, if God was willing to send His Son to the earth to die for your sins and die for my sins, and that's the biggest need that we have when it comes to our relationship with God, and He was willing to do that great thing, why wouldn't He be with you in the situation that you're facing at work? Of course He's with you. That's His very character. That's the type of Savior He is. If He's willing to send His own Son, He is absolutely willing to give you wisdom in the decision you're trying to make right now. He is absolutely willing to help you and be with you as you figure out your living situation in a crazy housing market. He is absolutely beside you, with you, and going before you. And that's the invitation tonight is to rest in the grace, greatness, and faithfulness of this Savior who's not inviting you to come and do better. He's inviting you to come and surrender and to receive what only He can do in you and through you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You so much for Your grace. Thank You so much for Your goodness. 
Thank you so much that tonight we are invited not to try harder, not to do better, but to surrender and to maybe lay down some, some beliefs that are causing us to miss you, to lay down some perspectives that may be causing us to overlook you or not see something that you're trying to do in our lives. Maybe tonight you're inviting us who are worn out, who feel captured by something, overwhelmed by something, to come with all those somethings to you and give them to you and let you work in us, maybe like we've never let you work before. For some of us, it's letting you do that again because it's just easy to get sidetracked because parenting's hard, work's hard, family's hard. Decisions are just difficult. Thank you that you're the type of Savior who's lowly and humble in heart and that we are all invited to come to you now. So that's what we're going to do, whether it's the first time or the 300th time, Lord. Would you just show us the step you want us to take? It's in your name that we pray. Amen.